Tonight, we're gonna try to tell the truth. Oh, okay, it's, it's actually called Would I Lie to You, but you get the point. Anyway, this is Game Shows, I suppose. And welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows. I suppose I'm your host, Jordan Haas. We have a fun episode today. We'll be talking about one of my favorite British panel game shows of all time. Would I lie to you with my friend Nick? It'll be a lot of fun. Stop on by, we'll talk about it. But before we get to the lies and deception, we gotta get through the news. First, the uh, unfortunate sad news. We're going to flip it right now. We're going to do the sad news first and then get to the good stuff. Uh, George Gray, over the weekend, suffered a heart attack multiple times uh, over the weekend. Uh, he he had uh, chest pains. Then he went to the hospital, got an ambulance, had a heart attack. They gave him a stint. Uh, something faulty happened with that stint, and it gave him another heart attack. And complications hit, and luckily he's fine. He's safe. We wish him all the best. We wish him a speedy recovery. But that was a bit of a surprise in the entire world of game shows, that the announcer for The Press is right. So, George, we wish you a healthy recovery right now. I know over the weekend and the last couple of days, there's been lots of tweets and social media posts uh, wishing you the best and having a speed of recovery too, not just from like the game show fans, but in the crew, the cast, a lot of people. So, uh, hang in there, George, uh, wish you the best. We love you, right? We love George Gray. Anyway, now into the, I guess, format news, uh, Quibi. Remember Quibi? Remember we keep talking about Quibi here? Almost like the bane of my existence, Quibi. Uh, so Quibi, uh came out has a new game show out called floored hosted by liza koshi in which two dance teams dance on a revolving dance floor that rotates and goes 360 and bends and and then there's things that like fall on them like like fake wrecking balls and a giant foam thing with liza koshi kind of like that one big brother challenge uh giant teddy bear swing Basically, things to knock them off because, haha, they're going to fall. Like, the slapstick comedy of it. But whoever's the best of the two dance teams takes home a cash prize. I think that's the... Right? I, I don't... It's out now. It's fine. It feels like a show that would have existed in 2012, 2013. When all the dance shows showed up, and it was like, this is their attempt at killer karaoke, but without the Onu Snakes and Spiders. Liza's still a good host, still energetic, but looking at this, it's 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 still a little too dark in my mind. Like, it's still a little too, the set is a little too dark, uh, and I'm still trying to figure out the pieces of what was the original format before it became this one. Because something tells me there was another nook and cranny 
going on here. Uh, next, let's go into uh, more uh, game show format news. So, uh, our Moza f- Formats launches CGI-powered game show Beat the Grid. I think I talked about this last week. Um, produced in association with Nimrod Haral and Yaron Yashinsky's production outfit Game Changer, Beat the Grid 30 Minutes finds contestants trying to win cash prizes by guessing the answers to a giant CGI grid that keeps expanding the more questions are answered correctly. Viewers playing from Momorosa able to join in and try their hand at each question 10 seconds after the contestant for a chance to win the money. Avi Armoza, founder of Israeli Formats Firm, says Beat the Grid requires a small studio and relies largely on two cameras, one fixed and one mobile. One or two contestants also participate in person from the studio along with the host. The only thing you don't see is what they're looking at, and that can be a huge screen or a big studio with or without an audience. In answering the needs of the current market, we're effectively creating a virtual hub. Uh, The game software, easily been built centrally with new partner Game Changer, can easily be shared with interested channels. 80% of the site is CGI, so you can bring it to air within a few weeks. Who highlights the show being created ahead of lockdown? All broadcasters need content they can pull up rather quickly in a cost-effective way. That meets regulations. So, although we don't plan on this way, it's become the right format for the right time, says Armoza. The format's currently being shopped to the market in the United States. Armoza will team with ITV America to sell Beat the Grid. So, heads up, a game show coming soon to America might be existing called Beat the Grid. Uh, Co-founder and CEO Jacob Nimrod Haral says, We have been a shift in the TV industry. Budgets are getting smaller, but the need for expensive look is on a higher demand, so we developed a technology that overcomes this. Our partnership with Armosa Formats was so natural, they immediately understood our strive to change the game and embraced it, taking Beat the Grid, our first collaboration, to the next level. Uh, ahead of the challenge in the by combining our knowledge of the international industry with the unique technology and creativity of Game Changer, we create a highly entertaining game show for a fraction of the cost, something that is greatly needed in these times. Uh, I'm still confused. I have no knowledge of this format. Uh... All I can think of is that Beat the Grid is a trivia game show, and if it matches a certain thing, you get certain money. I don't know. It might be fun. Apparently, the rules is it's one by one grid, then it goes to two by two, three by three, four by four, five by five, six by six. The bigger the grid, the more money. Uh, so it looks to me like it's like a ones for 100, and it keeps going from then to there. Uh, so each squares were 200 in round two, and then round three, 300 in round three, then 400 in round four, 500 in round five, and then 600 in round six. I don't know, maybe 1,000 because I want to make the big finale, and it's like a 36-square grid. I don't know. Are you going to write 36 questions? Like I, I'm, I'm still confused by the format, but maybe it will work. Who knows? Uh, hey, have you heard of Dance Moms colon Abby's virtual dance-off? In each self-contained episode, Abby Lee Miller invites dancers from across the country to submit the best moves and footwork to see who has what it takes to impress her enough to be named the Abby Dancer. 
Lifetime continues to be there for fans to keep their spirits up and feet moving with a 12-episode order of their new series, Dance Moms. Abby's a virtual dance-off. In each self-contained episode, Abby Lee Miller invites dancers from across the country to submit their best moves and footwork to see who has what it takes to impress her enough to be named the Abby Dancer. Submissions are available now. Click here for more information. More than ever, audiences need those familiar faces they love. And with the explosion of people filming their dance moves to be shared, Abby's Virtual Dance-Off provides us the opportunity to bring home some of the most talented dancers to the forefront on television, said Gina McCarthy, EVP of Unscripted Development and Programming, Lifetime Head of Programming, FOI. Who says you need a big, shiny stage to show off your skills? On Abby's Virtual Dance-Off, kids from across the country will show off their best dance moves from the comfort of their own homes. A hip-hop routine in the kitchen or a ballet recital in the backyard? Anything goes. In each episode, Abby will critique and judge each self-submitted performance and will Skype the winner to reveal who will dance off with the coveted title of The Abby Dancer. Abby Dancer, Dance Mom Collins, Abby's Virtual Dance Up, produced by Six West Media, Group Association, Mother Media Group, and No More Tears. Steve Archer, uh, Christy Sabad, and Ali Breslin serve as executive producers for the Six West Media Trademark Group. Kim Chesler and Gina McCarthy serve as executive producers for a Lifetime. Moving on, final thing of the news tonight. ITV Studios bags U.S. and international rights to Japanese game show format Red Carpet Survival. ITV Studios has acquired the rights to adapt Japanese physical game show Red Carpet Survival in 33 major territories including the U.S., U.K., Australia, France, and Germany. The studio signed a deal with Nippon Television to secure the show in which contestants act as bodyguards to celebrities and must safely chaperone them along a red carpet fraught with danger and high-energy challenges, including traps and real crocodiles. What the fuck? <sighs> Red Carpet Survival was created and produced by Nippon Television Production Division and has been a ratings winner locally for the past six years. Beyond the deal with ITV Studios, Nippon TV will represent the show in Southern and Eastern Europe, Latin America, and Asia. Red Carpet Survival is a brilliant concept, which will be a great fun for viewers of all ages, said Mike Beal, Managing Director of ITV Studios Creative Network. We want to be attached to the biggest ideas and the best IP out there, and this is a format which falls into that category. Achuki Sogo, President of International Business Development upon Television at ITV Studios, is the perfect partner for us as we roll out the red carpet around the world. This fast-paced, thrilling game show is ideal for family viewing and can turn any location into comedy and jeopardy simply by adding a red carpet. Why the f... If it's one thing I know kids love to see, it's people uh, yelling because there's a alligator in the tank. Here, let me read the official press release from the Pwn Television's official website. Entertainment slash game show. Three brave bodyguards protect a VIP despite severe danger. Red Carpet Survival is a new type of thrilling game show where contestants act as bodyguards who must safely escort a VIP. The boss gives the bodyguards a mission to make the VIP... Stay on the red carpet that stretches out to their destination no matter what. It means suffering physical blows and surviving a series of crazy traps secretly set on their way. 
Three bodyguards from a team to protect a VIP. Two teams of bodyguards will take the challenge. Explosions, robotic attacks, real crocodiles, various traps block their way to the destination. If the VIP steps off the red carpet even slightly, one bodyguard will fall in the line of duty. Failure to overcome a trap results in elimination of another bodyguard, and the boss gets electrocuted. What the f- the game will be over if all bodyguards are out. As soon as the red carpet is laid, whether it be on a university campus, airport, or hotel, the game show begins. Perfect for family viewing and adjustable to different budget sizes. All right, well, I look forward to hearing about this in two weeks when it's going to be premiering on E! next to the Funny Dance Show or whatever the fuck that weird show is. Can we just start the show now? About a few months ago, I remember Rooster Teeth. Remember Rooster Teeth? They did Red vs. Blue? They had a, a panel show called Chump. And it's all about the Rooster Teeth people trying to say sayings and then lie to somebody to see if they're telling the truth or lying. And it kind of felt like a blend between, say, the, the box game on Jimmy Fallon and essentially this show. And when I keep looking back at Chump, I keep wanting to go back to Would I Lie to You? Would I Lie to You is one of the best panel quiz shows on television because it's all about celebrity, but it's all about the stuff that celebrities do all the time that make it fun. So you hear stories, and then it's, is that true or false? And sometimes, you know, celebrities make stories up just to sound cool. This is a show all about that where two teams uh, battle it out to see who's the better liar and who's the better truth finder uh, in this game. And there's been two hosts, Angus, who's been this, like, drunk, sarcastic, I mean, and Rob Brydon, uh, a Plymouth of panel quiz shows for about 20 years now, a fantastic voiceover, fantastic singer, talented actor, and might I say, ridiculously good-looking. Is he following me on Twitter yet? No? Fuck it. All right. Um, anyway, uh, the appeal of this game comes not just from the lies and deception, but of the witty banner between the two main captains, Lee Mack and David Mitchell. David Mitchell is of the Mitchell and Webb look, peep show, a hilarious guy who people kind of joke as the uh, posh man. He's, a, he's, a, he's like an upper middle class man, Richie Rich Rich, versus Lee Mack, who is of a different area of the United Kingdom, who's supposed to be working class, silly, sarcastic for the working man, uh, okay to be stupid. So it's smart versus stupid, north versus south, uh, posh versus the working class in this silly game show that's all about events that happened in your life. And looking back at it more and more, this show has been on for over 10 years now. And even though you can kind of see where the changes happen, mostly because of David Mitchell's facial features, you still see a fantastic format based all along facts. And I think 
the simplicity of it is all that's necessary. And this is right up there with the iconic British game shows of the past, such as QI and Have I Got News For You. And, well, I'm sorry I have a clue. It's technically a game show or even a panel show. It's the anecdote to panel shows. Never mind. Here it is, an episode all about Would I Lie To You. You can trust me on this. I'm on this toss. Let's turn the table. With me on the line is friend of the show, Bad Hair Nugget, A.K. Nick. Nick, welcome. Hey, Jordan. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing fine. You know, uh, lots of chaos in the world today. <laughs> um, yeah, so in this in this plague hellscape, let's talk about game shows. <laughs> this is it's game shows. Uh, the fantastic world of game shows. Uh, Love it. This is this is not really an American game show. This is a British panel show. It's always fun to talk about British panel shows because it's kind of a step back from the American game show format. And uh, for us, we're talking about would I lie to you? And uh, it's a fascinating game show. Uh, I don't think it would ever work in America. <laughs> oh, this would be the worst game show in the world if it was in America. It would just be a bunch of unfunny people plugging their shit and hosted by failed SNL people. <laughs> Colin Jost, Michael Che, Bobby Mulnahan, Horatio Sands, uh, what's what's his face? Bill Hader. Yeah. Um, probably... Uh, What's what's the guy's name? You know the guy who's who's on Saturday Night Live now, but isn't like not really like funny. No, I'm not talking about like the one. You know the you know what I'm talking. Oh, the one. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Mikey Day. That's his name. Mikey Day. Oh, okay. <laughs> or Beck Bennett. One of those. <laughs> oh God. That would be hosted by Beck Bennett for sure. Oh, how's it? Yeah, oh, because I, I could see that because Rob Brydon and, and Beck Bennett have the same kind of demeanor. Just weird like, horny, with weird horniness. Yeah, weird, <laughs> weird horniness. Yeah, uh, Brydon has weird horniness. I'm here for it, but like, I feel just, like he's always just horny. You could just can we just be uh, tone down the horny just a little, a little bit. Um, yeah, like, th- this is basically, if I could just try and compare it to stuff, it's kind of like a mix of, uh, to tell the truth with, uh, with kind of, like, classic have I never have I ever kind of, like, icebreaker games. So, get to know people. Yes, it's definitely, like, icebreaker get to know game show. And I love it. And it's such a fun, sh- now... This is, it's so weird bringing this show up because it's like, never I really get a chance to really blah everything about this show. It is mm-hmm. one of the most fascinating British panel shows. Now, there's a lot of panel shows out there. You know, you have your QIs, quite interesting. You have uh, Have I Got News For You or Mock The Week, uh, Room 101. But what I would like to you is real simple in the fact of there's really nothing that's factual about the show. It's just kind of... No, it's just... Getting people to believe your bullshit. 
you just have people now originally there was like celebrity facts and they had uh yeah they used to have like these weird like the queen has 17 different types of flour in her house and all this weird stuff that they used to have when angus used to host yes and then that we gotta get into this there was two hosts for the show the first one was angus dayton he was the original host of uh have i got news for you which was this uh news-based quiz show and he decided you know what there's tabloids he's leaving the limelight and then he just because of that you know shocking oh celebrity scandal approach he got picked up for uh would i lie to you because oh no shocking scandals with celebrities that would make for interesting format uh (laughs) and (laughs) The original name of the show was going to be called Unbelievable and then Pants on Fire. Because, liar, liar, I guess. Uh, Alan Carr was originally going to be a captain before Lee Mack. Uh, Alan Carr, this Elton John weirdo who is now hosting Epic Game Show uh, currently on ITV. Uh, and the, and now, with the original panel, it's Angus, uh, David Mitchell, and Lee Mack. Those are the, uh, the the trilogy, I would say. Uh, and it's so fascinating because it's like, this is like a gateway drug to anyone who li- liked Peep Show or the Mitchell and Webb look. Or... Oh, yeah. That, like, that's exactly like, how I got into the show. Like I <clears throat> binged Peep Show like in the beginning of college and just was like, I need more David Mitchell in my life. This guy is too funny. You want this, and then... this jolly, fat British man. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) who just like destroys people. (laughs) It was too good. And then, yeah, I just like found it on YouTube and they had like every season available. And I was just like, well, I'm going to watch this now. (laughs) At one point, he was the uh, the narrator for Beauty and the Geek. They actually took that CW show and made him like the host. Uh, and it just it's always fascinating to see how this goes. He hosted the bubble, for instance. I'm going through all the David Mitchell stuff right now. Uh, and the first host of Angus, he played like a drunk. <laughs> he basically played this. Oh yeah, like I feel like the early days of the show, they were very like fast and loose with the substances on on set. <laughs> Angus was clearly they were trying to go for pub game kind of thing. They were like, he's drunk, he doesn't give a shit. Let's just let everyone heckle each other, and I'll just sit here and just have fun. Yep. <laughs> And then it goes into, and then after two seasons or series, uh, uh, it goes to Rob Brydon. Rob Brydon is basically everyone's replacement host. He never really gets <laughs> a show to call his own. <laughs> he uh, he basically had to replace people for all sorts of different things. Like, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, or have I got news for you? <laughs> and then he's the replacer for Would I Lie to You? And he's basically a announcer. He's basically one of those, like, coming up next on BBC4, a brand new uh, documentary. Like, that's his whole job, is basically being the BBC announcer in voiceover work, uh, clearly. And he does stand-up comedy and acting in theater on the side, so. <laughs> this got it weird, all. This weird guy who looks like... Uh, <laughs> I, the best way to explain Rob Brydon to Dan, no one's ever seen it is he basically looks like someone who who could be Bruce Campbell, like Bruce Campbell's <laughs> British clone. <laughs> yeah, he's got chin, Campbell vibes. Same hair. <laughs> uh, and same kind of uh, demeanor. Also, that that don't give a fuck attitude. Now, 
with his hosting ability, it's more like classic game show host meets comedian. So it's the, is that the truth or is that a lie? Oh, that was the truth. So-and-so did uh, sleep with a snake in their bed. He's very much more regimented in his hosting style. It's <laughs> strange as ass game show. So I guess we got to go through, like, what's the format? It's play with two teams. One is headed by Lee Mack with two guest contestants who are celebrities. And the other is with David Mitchell and another two celebrities. Uh, it is played through a series of rounds. Uh, the first round is usually called Home Troops, where it's someone from one side uh, gets randomly chosen, and they must read a card out which has a, a statement on there, and they have to read that statement sight unseen, and they have to say if that's the truth or false. Uh, so, for instance, like, I once got expelled from school for uh gambling or something like that so usually like some sort of like mainline shocker thing that may or may not be true uh played for laughs uh i once dated a drag queen uh let's go through some of the ones <laughs> that you, i recall uh oh there's one really good one i was watching a christmas special and they had sharon osborne on and she was like, I once fired a ma- I once fired like an assistant because they didn't run into my burning building and get artwork. <laughs> and that was like true, which I'm like, I can't believe she like let that out into the world of like a story about her. <laughs> and everyone just laughed it off. And I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> this is a- well, it's Sharon Osborne. What's that? It's Sharon Osborne. I mean, it's not, it tracks. But I was just like, I can't believe she like agreed to like have that story out there. <laughs> it's <laughs> normally the fun ones are like the lies. Um, yeah, um, I'm trying to think of a good lie. Uh, uh, there was one that David Mitchell. He was like, there was a guy that it was the. Uh, I started like a detective service as a child, and that was a lie. I, I no, my favorite was uh, I started a fight ring in, in college. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like a and the guy was like a like a boxer you know like he was clearly like a fighter <laughs> yeah so it was in the realm of possibility and that was a lie and then he said uh that's not true but my friend did and i snitched on him <laughs> and it was like what <laughs> this is the weirdest fucking game show it is bizarre. Now they're not playing for money. There's no charity involved. It's just bridge panels. No, it's all played for. They never explain the point system. I have no idea how it works. All right. So in home truths, uh, you tell you tell your statement. If I am, if I'm on the other team and I correctly guess it's true or false, I get the point. If I'm wrong, like you were telling me the truth and I said it was a lie, or you were telling me a lie and I said it was the truth, you get the point. It works like that. So if you, okay. if I am incorrect in my deduction, you get the point. Uh, this is played with both teams, with all four guests. It usually it used to be played with all six until we realized, wait, we are kind of wasting our David Mitchell anecdotes and <laughs> anecdotes. Uh, so then we go into the next round, which is, I would say, my favorite round. 
Uh, it's called. Oh, yeah, this I is love this one. It's called This Is My. <laughs> and they bring out a complete stranger to the teams. <laughs> and each of the three has to give a statement as to what's the relationship between this person. Like, oh, that's. Um, that's my uh th- that's the person who babysits my kids or oh that was the person who ran uh who oh, who gave me my first job in stand up comedy and then something always out of left field like oh that is uh my daughter's uh mom who fun fact uh actually helped uh my daughter when she choked on eating a crayon and you're like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> and and that like shows so she is a lifesaver for your daughter versus first stand-up comedy gig versus your babysitter right and then and they always have to play and then the other team has to basically play deductive and just start asking questions and tell jokes and clearly when they know they bullshit they are they're just kind of now exaggerating to the point of yeah they definitely ham it up uh, especially when it starts to become like they're they're not really telling the truth, and it's clear like, oh yeah, the babysitter. Uh, she was in high school at the time, uh, but we met in college. What? <laughs> right? Or they like say they're good friends, and then the like the other team will ask what their name is, and they like, have to look down at the card. <laughs> that's it. That's usually how it goes. Uh, and it's always fun because. To me, that's the best round because it has that to tell the truth element and it has a clear relationship with it. And sometimes, at least in the Angus version, they actually got to like ask them questions after the fact. Yeah, the people like talked about it, which I love because I, I always want to hear more about these insane stories. And especially if it's weird and bizarre. And it plays exactly like Home Truths. If you guess the correct star with the person, you get the point. If you're wrong... They get the point. Uh, that's played once per per team. Then there was former rounds, such as the Ring of Truth. You know, what I love about a show about bluffing your, your other teammates uh, by saying facts about yourself is wrong. You know what I love? How about we just do it with celebrities who don't exist and are, like, people who are too rich or too expensive, like... Did you know Brad Pitt once spent $50,000 on caviar? True or false? And uh, the fun fact was about this Ring of Truth, this lie detector-based fun fact game about the queen or the princes or uh, dogs and animals is that they... uh, they didn't really uh, keep it in, in season four. They kind of recorded it and completely scrapped it. Oh, really? They did. <laughs> so season four onwards, they went, eh, no. Yeah, they, they got rid of those early season gags. Season five, they went, no, no, good. And then they had another one that was like a, like a few called Telly Tales, where it was just like a TV show clip. And then it was. I love those ones. Just like old 70s and 80s British TV where it's just. Real shitty beyond filter. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then just like the most bizarre content. Didn't you know in Only Fools and Horses? Uh, no. Did you know in Black Ladder? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> 
I did not know I was watching telly addicts all of a sudden when we got into this. Uh, and then we go into my the big final round, the big speed round, the big catch up round, quick fire lies, where randomly chosen, a star has to read a statement and then they must decide right then and there if it's true or false. <laughs> right then and there, quick fire lies, speed yes, round. The quickest, the quickest speed round you've ever seen. The quickest speed round. You've ever seen, and this is something that Nick brought up when we were watching. Like, oh, we don't have to watch this. I already know they're going to pick Lee Mac. It's going to be improv comedy for twenty minutes. Yeah, it's called Quickfire Lies, and like the last like four or five seasons have just been that round is only one person, like just doing an improv class about a subject. It's it's I love it, but it's just like it. Don't call it quickfire lies. It's not. <laughs> That's a, a lie. <laughs> See, now they're lying to you, the audience. Yeah, it's, <laughs> That's the season six. Beyond goes incredibly meta. It's they would lie to you. That's what we found out. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes the would. answer is yes. <laughs> uh, one I remember for quickfire lies was uh, Lee Mack uh, got into cake decorating and decided to design a cake for David Mitchell in his face, and it looked horrible and horrifying. And it was just like, this was like 20 minutes of just nothing but cake jokes. I think one of them was from the Bake Off, so it was just like, oh, oh, this is just horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just, I was like, no, it was the winner of the Bake Off. The winner of the Great British Bake Off was like the guest. What's her name? I know who you're talking about. I have seen that oven. And yes. they were just like, uh, so what did you set the oven for? Uh, how many eggs did you use? Six. No, three each. Three each. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I also made sure to lower the degree by 10 because I'm using a fan because it will cook quicker. Whoa, how would you know that? I do. <laughs> <laughs> It was just like the it, Lee Mack is a great a bullshit artist. I think that's kind of what we learned. He's like world class, like just amazing. <laughs> David Mitchell is not good at the lying aspect as he is just going, you full of shit, you <laughs> fuck you. He's like a bullshit artist and like knows can call it out in an in an instant. Uh and the let me tell you the weirdest part about what I lie to you, when it first started they decided to give it the death slot in all of television. Like Saturday at like 10 o'clock when everyone's asleep or drunk oh. or whatever. And sure enough, it became a, like a big popular show that, hey, you know, let's move it. And it, it kept. Uh, it also was nominated for Best TV Panel Show in 2010. And this is the one that I always want to remember. They actually made a board game for Would I Lie to You. Oh, they did it. <laughs> the Would I Lie to You board game. Uh, I, That's I was, amazing. So I have to quickly, because I, I had the tab up for the sake of the episode and just kind of crashed and burned. Uh, I'm going to read off. This is from the box. This is courtesy of Board Game Geek. A game of quick thinking that calls for a cool head and a poker face. Can you fool your opponents with an on-the-spot lie? Can your team invent a bizarre lie that sounds more convincing than the bizarre truth? Can you convincingly describe a picture that isn't even there? Just like the TV show, some of the facts are true, some are not. It's for you to decide. 
comes with 75 quick fire lie cards, 75 ring of truth cards, 100 this is cards, a writing pad, four playing pieces, a timer, and a die. Thanks. I mean, like, this looks like a bizarre home game. <laughs> like, you know what? That should be like my new spinoff series. It's just I get game show board games. I invite guests on to play the board game <laughs> versions of these game shows. <laughs> and just, oh, that looks like the most, that looks like the worst game. Come on, we just play what I so... like. <laughs> there is a, uh, oh, Jesus. There's like fake lie cards. Uh,. Oh man, this is so horrible. I'm looking at it. here's one of the question cards that is courtesy of Board Game Geek. Uh, uh, this is Henry Ford, motor car pioneer. Henry Ford also released a cookbook. True or false? Oh man, and then it's true. Is- also, it says cookery book. So cookery book, cookery. <laughs> A cookery book. Oh, I love the Brits. And then this is Marlon Brando. <laughs> Marlon Brando kept his Oscars in his makeup and answer. And imagine playing this with your like your mum, your dad. <laughs> Just yeah, play, playing with mom over a spot of tea. Over a spot of tea over the kettle. <laughs> hey Nan, Marlon Brando kept his Oscars in his uh shirt closet. True or false? So that one always has to be false, though, if you're making up an answer. Right? I guess it says lie. It says lie, so we have to lie and make up uh, in his uh, nappy hamper. (laughs) That's a thing, right? (laughs) That sounds very British, nappy hamper. British thing. You know, the nappy hamper. Uh, so uh, the the other weird thing is, and this is the other fascinating part of the show, is they only record like eight episodes a year. But, like that's the other thing with this game show; it's only like eight to ten episodes per year of a show. Like it starts in October, ends in January. That's very quick. And then they do like a special, like for Christmas, and that's it. You're done. You're good. <laughs> uh, and it has international appeal. I found this out uh, through through the wonders of Wikipedia. Uh, there is a New Zealand version, a Czech version. Some there's an episode. There is a whole. Would I lie to you in Malaysia? Uh, there's a Swedish version. An Icelandic version, a Slovakian version, and a Deutsch version. <laughs> uh, they all have different names, by the way. <laughs> like one is called Betol uh, Ke Bohong, or Truth or Lie. Uh, the Dutch version is called Sturke for Halen, or Unlikely Stories. <laughs> Unlikely Stories. Which actually sounds about right when it comes to this show. Which gives me this weird question that I just been bothering me with this show is how fast do you think is a turnaround for this show? This sounds like a show that they only recorded for like three days or four days, and then because yeah, I feel like they could get this done in a week. 
they like of just like no, honestly, no. like I was at, binge watching it, you just realized like oh, I recognize that outfit <laughs> on either Rob Lee or David. Like oh, they <laughs> it's the same outfit as the last episode. Oh, so they just this is episode five, but that was clearly the second taped episode <laughs> of right, exactly. <laughs> They're doing callback to something that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> uh, okay, so again, now we got to get into the the other uh, nook and cranny of the show. Uh, so the the theme song. I found this out uh, right when you said, "I'm gonna do. Can I do? Would I lie to you?" Yeah, it's a game show. Uh, the song <laughs> is a uh, bar fight. It is actually available on Spotify. Oh my god, that's amazing! I'm. Gonna add it to a playlist. <laughs> Put in the playlist right now. Uh, it is the official theme song, and uh, also what I found funny was uh, the, the the creator of the show. Uh, his his name is uh, Peter jo- is Peter Holmes. Not because of Pete Holmes, or not the not the funny man Pete Holmes, the guy who used to have a show after Conan. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, this is Peter Holmes. Uh, he basically uh, is like a producer of sorts. He did a lot of um, uh, shows for. Basically, he did Screen Wipe for a bit. He did uh, How TV Ruin Your Life. He did a lot of Charlie Brooker stuff, which led to the Eleven O'clock Show, which led to. Um, he also did a. Uh, he also created What I Lie to You, and then he created a couple other game shows. Uh, the one I want to vividly point out is one that I enjoy called First and Last that debuted this year. So the Would I Lie to You creator also created a weird-ass game show called First and Last. Well, I haven't seen that yet. I'll check it out. It, the, the premise is simple. There are different games. You don't want to come in last place, but you also want to come in first place. Oh, I love that already. <laughs> and, I love that concept. And the first... And the first round is basically you're in a box. You just don't want to come out first. You don't want to come out last. <laughs> and the host is just in there going like, "That's the funniest thing ever." This I the love game. that. This is the game. Yep. Don't you wish you didn't see the show? <laughs> and then the second round is like a hashtag game. Like, oh, uh, I want you to put it, pick any hashtag in the entire world. And whatever is the amount of times it's been used on Instagram is your number. You don't want to have too much and you don't want to have too little. You want to have a nice middling amount. Oh, man. And it goes and it con- continues. Then they have to bring in produce. Like everyone brings an <laughs> onion. You have to have the most average onion. <laughs> because then you have to pick like a TV show based on the number of episodes they had. Or you have to pick like of these grandmas who had the fa- who had the middling amount in a marathon run. <laughs> And then I love the, this game. The final, the second to last round is you call your mom up and you tell them you have to be within five minutes of calling back this number. <laughs> but remember, <laughs> you can't be first, you can't be last. And then the final it, round, it's out of a check for 10,000 pounds, how much would you like? You can't get too greedy, but you can't get too less. You have to have the middle amount. If you do, you win the money. So you write like 8,000. Ooh, 6,000. Ooh, so now the third player. If we know they get between 6,000 and 8,000, they win. Oh, weird. It's so good. It's such a funny-ass show. 
Very I love clever. that. <laughs> yeah, it's incredibly clever. And then he does. Uh, 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 he has his own daily show called uh, the Mash Report with Nish Kumar, which is like fine. Like I guess even British people have to do their daily show knockoff thing. Uh, they're currently in in quarantine right now with that show too, so everyone's <laughs> just stuck in their home. Bad sound and horrible lighting. Uh, normally, by the way, normally uh, they film in April, May. So <laughs> right now is not really a good time for would I lie to you? <laughs> yeah, no, I saw that on the Wikipedia too, and I was like, hmm, uh, they're definitely not filming right now. This is a scary stuff. Uh, yeah, right. No, I. <laughs> Maybe this is the last series. <laughs> we just canceled the show because coronavirus. This is great. Uh, okay, so we talked about the different formats. One points here and there. Then final scores are renounced, and some team wins. They don't win anything, by the way. <laughs> There's no, there's nothing, which I love as well. Like, cause yeah, if this was an American show, it'd be like for money or just like something. Unless it's to tell the truth. It's just, uh, to tell the truth, they did that bullshit. Like, if you're the worst, you get fake news said about you. <laughs> or you have to tweet a lie and Anthony Anderson has to tweet it in front of his mama. Um. <sighs> yeah, um, but... <laughs> One thing I should actually point out here, which is also something I really love about what I lie to you, is the set. I originally it was like this weird dark purpley set, and as like the show progresses, it gets more and more bright white. Oh yeah, it's like incredibly bright and like a little off putting. <laughs> off putting. <laughs> but now it, it went from like faded yellow and blue and and blue and green to now like oh it's like a nice faded uh spectrum base kind of thing like a dark green to a light green and a dark blue to a light yeah this is the only show where i can think of that has a blue team and a green team (laughs) not really much to work off um so there's that's about it like there's no prizes there is a bright set this is everything that's not an american game show (laughs) No, this I I can't stress how this would never work in America, and I hope they never try. <laughs> well, that's where I'm getting at with the with this now. Should the show be we're we can't already on the air, but should the show come to America? If so, how? I mean, they could, but they'd have to like just keep it exactly the same. Like you can't you can't plug anything. You can't plug your brand or whatever. You can't get social media people to show up here like, oh, I just be It would all be YouTubers. Oh, Eliza Koshi, I Justine, uh, Ninja. <laughs> uh, oh, Jojo Siwa. Jojo Siwa. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Beast. Whoever's that guy from Mr. Beast? Yes. Yeah, we, gave, be... we gave all these people $10,000. <laughs> He's so weird. I don't understand him. How does he have money? Where does it come from? Uh, Has anyone investigated that? 
I bet it's. Is it all YouTube money? It's it's all that merchandise you sell in Mr. B's shop, I think. But also, like, that's just. I mean, now we're going to get off topic, but I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, like, what's, uh, it seems to me like if you, you can't be a social media maven unless you're filthy rich at this point, right? Like, you have yeah, to no, I can't. Yeah, the initial investment to, like, be a streamer is. I can't even imagine. Like, not even the Bazizio Gaming uh, Company is. That, oh, they can- afford they could never afford that paycheck uh this is like this is like like for like you have to have an assistant you need to have like millions of dollars yeah there's this there's this bike messenger i follow on twitch and he like streams his biking which i like love but it's like his like setup costs like five thousand dollars i'm like that's crazy what if he gets hit by a car i don't know because it's all live, and he has like a live map of like where he's going. So I'm like, it's it'll happen one day. It's got to. Someone's gonna track where he's going and steal his shit. I'm assuming. That is also a huge possibility that I had not thought of. Yeah, your GPS hmm. coordinates is. We clearly know you're in this city at this road. If I know someone in that city in that road, or I'm in that city in that road, what's stopping me from taking the big GoPro attached to your bike? Right? Yeah, it's very bizarre. Because, yeah, he's got like, a ton of gear. And then you have to assume, like, he also probably has, like, hashtags on his bike. <laughs> like, hey, I'm the Twitch bike guy. Hey. <laughs> I mean, it's no, like, I mean, like, the thing is, there's a lot of bike streamers out there. I know uh, for a while there, uh, Drew Scanlon of Cloth Map, uh, the biking white guy. He's the blinking white guy meme. Uh, was streaming okay. a bit, so... I remember watching from Giant Bomb, the Drew Scanlon, and then at one point, 2020 did like their year in review, and they were like memes, and it was just they Drew Scanlon, he's the white guy, <laughs> and it's like this is clearly a white dude saying this. <laughs> this is what the fuck? Oh god! You can't just say he's the blinking man. He's the white guy. <laughs> the white guy. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like assume it's just like you're gonna if you're gonna do an American version, it's gonna be with SNL people on NBC, and it's just gonna be like six episodes long, and never like see a season two because audiences aren't gonna figure out. Oh, they don't really give a shit who wins and loses. This is all played for yeah, comedy. That would be everyone would be like, well, who's the winner? But like, what did you win? It would have to be like there's have to be some sort of gain when it can be like no, this is just for fun. We're just having a good time. <laughs> That's it. It's supposed to be a for fun show. Like this is for it's. You're going to be NBC. Like this is going to be through Lauren Michaels. Seth oh, yeah, Meyers hosts it, or you you have to put this on TBS. You get you get Pete Holmes to host. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> Peter Holmes meet Pete Holmes. <laughs> uh, Host hosted by uh, one of the birthday boys, but not Mitch. Uh, you get uh, no, you get like you have to get all UCB people that you've never heard of. It's like uh, this is their big break. Like you don't get Ben Schwartz. You got to get like someone who's in a heart in a Herald right now. <laughs> oh, you don't know about like the 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 Brie Cheese Gang. The Brie Cheese Gang's the best improv group in all of the Upright Citizens Brigade. And then Matt Besser has to end up being one of the guests or something. 
Oh yeah. Uh, but then he's gonna ask, "What's his fee?" And then that's the joke. He doesn't get paid. <laughs> he gets paid in the exposure <laughs> for the job well done. Yeah, that exposure. Uh, it, it's that, or it's going to be YouTube fucks. It's going to be YouTube people, Twitch streamers, uh, TikTok stars. The hype house is going to be there. Uh, I saw that fucking Quibi show with the hype house. Oh, geez. I can't believe you're watching all the Quibi shows. You are doing a national service, Jordan. <laughs> not worth it, folks. The Quibi's not worth it. Quibi, it's so, not- did you see today they're gonna? They're talking about going to TV. Wow, it's over. <laughs> Wait, but I. <laughs> I, but how I are you going to put a vertical format on a horizontal TV? Yeah, I can't turn my TV over. It's all for naught. Those poor editors that had to do all of that double work. The whole gimmick, the Ugh. whole gimmick of Quibi is the same audio feed, but when you tilt it one way, it's a one video feed. When you tilt it a different way, it's another video feed. And some poor editor had to create two different video feeds with the same oh, footage. Man. It's uh, in its patented sure technology. Oh god, it's so bad. I just love that like Jack Allison, like over a year ago was like, this is gonna be the worst thing ever. <laughs> and now all of us like know everything about Quibi. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> Thanks. Much Jack. Thanks, Jack know- of Jack AM fame. <laughs> You know, after Saturday Night Live's Weekend Update ripped him off, I think he should get owed an apology. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's how we do it. You bring Jack Allison on board (laughs) to be... Oh, God. Be amazing. You get Jack Allison on one team, and then on the other team, Michael Che. There it is. There's there's the show. Animosity. And, and and it works from there, you know. Jack Allison, he he, you know, I know he doesn't want to work in in the entertainment industry that much anymore. But you know, something tells me if you give him the platform to call out bullshit, you do it. Uh, dissecting Michael Che's life would, I think, bring him quite a lot of pleasure. <laughs> and then Che trying to do the same. <laughs> Look at this little oh, Hobbit yeah. guy. Look at the little Hobbit. He's just a Hobbit man. Yeah. Michael Che calling Jack Allison poor. Makes great television. Because <laughs> all the poor people watching going, that's right, he is poor. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck the guy who said the Star Wars sequels suck. <laughs> he liked Jar Jar. <laughs> oh, Jabba. <laughs> I'm a fucking Jedi. Whoop! <laughs> uh... No, like, like it's gonna be YouTubers. I could only see this being YouTubers because that, that's the only like podcast people, the people who do like live action D and D shit, uh, and maybe like who like what the a Smosh? Does a Smosh still exist? <laughs> Am I God. that old now? Where I'm asking like if people from YouTube still exist? <laughs> you get uh, you, we get um, Jake and or Amir. <laughs> But never both. You can't get both. They're too expensive. You can only hire one. You get a. Uh, you get a. Uh, you get Derek Comedy's own. Anyone but Childish Gambino. Freestyle <laughs> Love Supreme. They would be definitely on the show. Yes. 
you get uh all the five second films people <laughs> oh god, oh, god. <laughs> uh just uh trying to figure out here what's you get the uh Oh, you get the the guy who does the funny voices on YouTube. You get the funny voice guy to be the host because Rob Bryan does funny voices. He's famous for the man in the box uh, impersonation, Rob Bryan. So if he can get someone that can do a good impersonation of a man in the box, uh, that works. And basically his man in the box voice is basically like a ventriloquist actor. He just keeps his mouth shut and you hear, It's very funny. <laughs> Uh, so as much as I love this show, it's so distinguishedly British and so distinguishedly good that if I had to actually, and I mean legit, like, hey, Jordan, you're the executive producer. We're bringing what I lied to you to America, but you get like full control. Uh, I figured out how to do it, but it's going to be bad. <laughs> it just heads up. It's going to be bad. I don't think it should work. <laughs> It has to be on only the E network. It has to be on E, <laughs> like the entertainment yeah. celebrity. And you got to get someone who is of of a celebrity like gossip hound, because that's the only way the show works in America. Is that behind the scenes of celebrities, that TMZification of of celebrity, and you have to get a uh, one older star. Like someone who's famous for being a longevity, someone on a CBS show, someone on a Fox show, someone on a network TV show. You get a young Hollywood guy, someone on a CW show, someone on a AB on a what is it? Freeform, the Freeform channel. <laughs> a YouTube celebrity because you have to have some social media star, and you got to get two caustic comedians who definitely have better things to do with their time. And you just rotate them out. Like, you never have the same captains ever for the show. Right. And you just keep, and you just make it just, here's a statement, which of these holds true to the person. Uh, then you have, uh, this is my, and then you have uh, the speed round, which is just the main round home troops, but put into both halves. Like, that's all you can do. Like, and you make a 22-minute show. Which also fucking kills the show in that regard as well, because it's an hour-long presentation. Right. With the idea being that you record as many as you can, so you can do that impractical Jokers thing where you replay like five episodes a day. And you make your money back. That's how you do it. That's how you make what I lie to you in America. You have to basically speed the show through, get rid of a lot of the jokes, and make it about like... Oh, did you know uh, some fucking CW star, the someone from Riverdale, once got kicked out of uh, acting class for smoking the marijuana? <laughs> oh, it would be the worst show. It, it would just suck. Be so it would still suck. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to be good, but that's the only way you can Americanize it. Does this? Yeah. Other than that, like, there's no other way unless you give a shit what, like, I don't know, like, uh, the Pod Save America people do for <laughs> off time. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't care what John Lovett does. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, 
the the film critic Hulk, uh's favorite superhero is not really the Incredible Hulk, but really Spider Man. Wow, what a twist! <laughs> compelling. What a compelling game show format. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, is the show good? Uh, absolutely, this show is great. But it sticks to just one thing: put it on BritBox, leave it on YouTube. If you're a fan of David Mitchell, and uh, only connects own Victoria Corn to Mitchell. Uh, which I remember showing you that. I showed you that uh, comic relief clip. Oh, that was great. Victoria Corbin. Yeah, and there's... <laughs> I can't remember the season or the series number, but there's a episode, like, I assume while they're dating, but before they're married, and it is so adorable. It, it's David Mitchell they're, is the They're on opposite teams. He oh, is, God, I love him. He's the pride <laughs> Never want to know his politics, but he's great. We want to let's find out David Mitchell's politics right now. Oh God! <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it, folks. Let's find out. Do you think he's Lib Dem? Do you think he's a conservative? Do you think he's a? Tr- I know Webb has some real shady politics. Yeah. Well, I just this is so poignant for when this is being recorded because I know Webb is a labor, but like was very against Corbin, and all that shit with Corbin came out today, and it's just like. Oh. Uh, thank you to Matt Lucas. Oh, Tim Brooke Taylor passed away. That's oh man, I love. I'm sorry, I'm having a clue. Oh, uh, lots of remain indoors, stay inside. Uh, oh geez, photos with Piers Morgan. Oh. oh no. <laughs> uh, well, follows mostly comedians, so. Take with that what you will. <laughs> I'm fine with that. That's all I want to know. <laughs> Mostly first of like not even like bad people. Like John Oliver is one of them. Like what's wrong with John Oliver? And this is true. Uh, yeah, like so far, no one who is a shit heel. I'm looking like no one who's a real shit heel in my Excellent. list. We continue to live in ignorant bliss about David Mitchell's politics. David then. Mitchell will assume. <laughs> Yes, let's just imagine David Mitchell being a complete social guy like, yeah, man, we should eat the rich. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a Nando's. And <laughs> uh, block. Um, also, he writes for The Observer, if that helps anything at all. Just like Victoria Mitchell, David Mitchell writes for The Observer. Which is just like the Guardian, so kind of lefty, kind of lib, mostly lib. Uh, so eh, we'll take it. We'll take you. What? That's a win. Uh, we'll we'll take that's that a win. win. That's a win. That's a win. It's a win. Fuck it. It's a win. Lee Mac. Uh, we can only assume. Fuck. Uh, he probably hates Nigel Farage, and that's all you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, we didn't really go into Lee Mack's history either, did we? Like, he did sketch shows. He did a show called Gas. Uh, he but he basically does a lot of uh, different uh, game shows. He's famous for being a repeat guest on 8 of 10 Cats, too. And the famous 8 of 10 Cats Countdown, uh, which a lot of people enjoy because Countdown? Math. Um, he won... An award uh, for the sitcom Not Going Out, the Rose the War Award, which is a prim- prominent award in the world of formats. So I have to give him some credit there as well. 
he's incredibly funny. And like, I don't know, like his school of improv or like where, what he did, like early career, but it's, it's impressive. Oh no. Lee Mack apparently has coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. I shouldn't laugh. That's horrible. But oh God. The guy from the show called not going out uh, is now stuck in quarantine. I, this was as of March 25th, so it was 15 days of kind of... Uh, he fell ill after a while, so that's... You know what? That's actually kind of... <laughs> oh, God. Uh, wish him the best. Uh, hang in there. Uh, <laughs> I Let's see what Lee Mack's doing now on Twitter. Oh, he's not following anybody. He's He has 100,000 followers, doesn't tweet, has no followers. <laughs> and then uh, Rob Brydon is uh, took a photo. Oh, he took a photo uh, with him at concert scene Bruce Springsteen. Oh, that's uh, Dave Clark. Never mind. Uh, and another tribute to David. Oh, uh, Tim Brooke Taylor with David Walliams and him. Oh, that's everyone's feeling sad right now. This is a and then I'm getting sad. Also, thank you, heroes in the NHS. All right, that's that works. His bio, Rob Brighton's bio on Twitter, Chap. Love that. <laughs> That's just Chap. Uh, he, he seems like a righteous dude. No, he. It's a climate change. So yeah, he, he's a green guy, a green person. Sounds like. Oh, he follows Bernie. There you go. And, and Warren. That's all you need to know. <laughs> he follows Bernie and Warren and uh, <laughs> Richard Osman and Barack Obama <laughs> and Holland Oates. He really is like <laughs> he really is like your art teacher <laughs> in the terms of what we follow. <laughs> Mick Jagger, uh, it really says a lot. Like all I follow is like the Bug Fam, <laughs> right? Exactly. Here I am following never like, Mick Jagger podcast a ride and and the Doughboys, <laughs> and here he is with Hall and Oates and Neil Gaiman. Oh well, uh, Bear Grylls, Tom Hanks. Uh, jeez. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> before we get going, Nick, <laughs> uh, normally we have a final round and a final question for the show, but I thought it'd be nice to do a a, a spinoff version of Would I Lie to You, where I have a Love statement it. about myself, and then you have to determine if it's true or a lie just oh. like the game show uh so let me uh look this up i haven't seen the card before and by that i mean i wrote this like three days ago and i'm <laughs> rereading this now to see what i wrote uh here we go <clears throat> i used to push my friend around in a wheelchair to get front of the line at a theme park but he wasn't handicapped Ooh. What was your friend's name? Alex. Theme park. It was Knott's Berry Farm. Nice. Um, I'm assuming it worked. Uh, it worked. This was in eighth grade. Uh, okay. This was last summer. This was like the summer, and uh, my mom never knew. <laughs> so, <laughs> this was one of those, like, the mom dropped me off with <laughs> 
<laughs> the wheelchair? Yeah, it was because it's the grandma's wheelchair. So it was just like, uh, oh, we have a spare wheelchair. We'll use this. <laughs> there's a time when like this was like this is a guy who doesn't have. I'm not gonna say like he's poor or whatever. This was like at the time when fast passes were like on the side, and you had to pay like twenty bucks per ticket. And it's like, uh, I'm not doing that. So let's just do the wheelchair thing. And it wasn't even it. me. It was like his idea. And of course, <laughs> me being the good cookie, I'm like, I don't know. This. But it worked. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I'm going to say it's true. You're saying it's true. It was a lie. Oh, well, that's good to hear. <laughs> it was a lie. I never did. Uh, he really was handicapped. No. Uh, <laughs> no that's it. <laughs> It's, uh, that's how it works. But that, that's mostly how the show works. Also, you did way faster. We have to do more jokes. Uh, we had to make jokes about uh, wheelchair ramps and access points. Uh, we had to uh, make a tasteful uh, joke about eighth grade. And uh, we had to, didn't we have to do something where I, I seem like a complete asshole? Um <clears throat> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's that's how it works. Anyway, uh, Nick, is there anything you would like to plug or promote or push or? Uh, not really. Tip people <laughs> in this trying time. I'm an Instacart driver or biker or whatever, so that's you are- been shitty. <laughs> I mean, I will say, hey, check out Bad Hair Nugget on uh, Twitter for fun tweets. And also, yeah, like really tip your people. The problem is, this is what, what's really messing with my head a lot with this whole thing. What I used to do was I used to do the bare minimum tip and then like give a cash at hand tip because I know they do that whole 1099 tax off what you Oh make. yeah, no. The cash at hand is the way to go. But, but now because... nobody wants to. Exactly. So now I'm like, what the fuck do I do now? And I'm like pissed off. It's like, now do I have to like double my money on the tip? Like, okay, but they're not really going to get that. I know they say 100%, but let's be honest here. Exactly. It never is. And it's like, I... I I'm one of those things where it's like these are people especially now when it's like this outbreak is hitting every restaurant every store every oh yeah like I like lost both my jobs like in restaurants because of this <laughs> and it fucking sucks and I, I I was there for you I, I was like oh dear this fucking sucks like you and like six other of my friends all lost their job at the one, one day and it's like what the fuck and then yeah, it was t- crazy. And then you're told, like, well, you know, the restaurants will still be open. You know, wait staff will they'll just be in the Grubhub lines. No, they're not. <laughs> oh, definitely not. And I'm like, I know of like three restaurants in Milwaukee that like have closed and like will probably never open again. And I like can't help but like extrapolate that throughout. And I'm just like, restaurants are done. And especially like, even if this all does just end, like. I can't just imagine people just like flocking back to crowded places. <laughs> oh yeah, I really want to sit down in a chair and eat some ribs. That's great. Exactly. Like I just yeah, nobody's gonna want to like touch anything or just like oh yeah. Do you know? It's I don't know where be... this fork came from. I don't know where this fork came from. I don't know. Yeah. Is, this, is this is this safe? Is this safe to consume? Uh, so wait, staff. Exactly. 
The weight staff touched the plate. Is this okay? That's like a, a year ago when my biggest problem was like, where did this chicken come from? Now it's going to be like, where? when was this plate last cleaned? What kind of sanitizer did you use? <laughs> and then I got to think things like, you know, bartend staff too. You got to think like bartenders. You got to think. Like, Can't, bartenders must be like losing their fucking minds. Because I, I did it for a while in college and it like, it's an insane amount of money for like basically no work. You just have to put up with people's bullshit. So I just can't imagine like how stir crazy bartenders must be right now. <laughs> you, you're not essential, but you can give margarita mix. <laughs> and it's like, and you know, like if it's not a waitstaff, if it's not a cook, even cooks, you know, they they have to be like, well, we have to follow the social distancing guidelines, six feet. So we're going to have to cut half the staff and then we're going to double oh, the yeah. orders because everyone needs to eat. So we're going to, it's like you've already put four times the, the work. In exactly. A and especially like restaurants that didn't uh, or never did take out like some like upscale ones that like had to completely like change their whole structure to like now do to go food. It's it's not chilies to go. It's not we're talking like Yeah, like I worked at some like pretty nice places in Milwaukee that are like now just like putting everything in a box. And it's just like so bizarre. Don't you want but look, salad in a box? Who doesn't want a box salad? <laughs> it's the real chef salad is <laughs> Uh, but no, like that. That's I would. I would also encourage that. Encourage tipping whenever possible. Don't be that asshole that like gives a big tip so someone agrees to do your order and then give them nothing. I read that and it pissed me off. I can't. Yes, I like read that and was like, this has definitely happened to me because there's like times when it's like, oh hell yeah, and then you get your statement. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, they can like edit the tip, which is like <laughs> the most evil thing ever. <laughs> And me, it's like I, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know how to fucking edit that thing. I because if, if it's me, I'd be like, how can I round this up? Because <laughs> because I, I know people better. It's you're telling someone to go five six miles away, not blocks, miles away to the grocery store to one, and then it's like they have to be the one breaking the bad news. Like, uh, we're all out of this milk. Oh, we don't have this yeah. chip. Oh, I know you wanted this. Is this okay? Can we substitute for this? And you know, there's like, depending on the customer, you might get a Karen. I know, I said the word. <laughs> I said the word. What do you mean there's no uh barbecue ruffles anymore? How dare you? <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I I have had a lot of that. Of like people I've had to like just cancel on because I called them three times and they were out of things. And they like demanded them, and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, ma'am. There's no milk. I'm sorry. <laughs> but do you do you have whole milk? No. Do you have two percent? No. Do you have skim? Exactly. This actually happened. Of like, no, I went through all the milk. Like, ma'am, there's no milk. Do you want me to like text you a photo of the shelf? <laughs> They don't have milk. Like, I'm starting to think a lot of the... I hate... I There has to be, like, a social... Like, by the time this airs, who knows what will happen, but something tells me that there is now this weird quarantine effect where a lot of people who do, like, Instacart or Grubhub have never even drove their car outside <laughs> or seen, like, the outside world in, like, the month. 
so they have no clue like how the supermarkets look these days yeah, they don't know what it looks or, like or it's just a barren wasteland some days it's a barren wasteland of empty shelves and every restaurant even those that you know are not takeout only are now like a to-go parking lot <laughs> like it is a drive-through yeah you show up you say your name they give you a bag you go <laughs> Uh, if you requested some special order, good luck. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you do that, just don't. Just don't do that, right? Especially now. Really ever, though. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I mean, like, I just want it on the side. Can I get it on the side? <laughs> just that sauce on the side. <laughs> I want my chicken. I want my chicken McNuggets with sweet and sour on the side. <laughs> just that possible. <laughs> But uh, that, that, that the best nugget sauce, by the way, sweet and sour. Yeah. Not not Szechuan, not the Rick and Morty pickle Rick sauce. Not, God. Not the uh, not the well, what uh, the BBQ, not honey mustard, not uh. Oh, McDonald's has terrible honey mustard. I'll say it. Oh dang, dang, we're getting into the territory of people are going to get complaints. Uh. <laughs> Tweet at me. McDonald's honey mustard fucking sucks. McDonald's honey mustard fucking sucks. Denise uh, has the best. They should have never given rid of the popcorn chicken nuggets. Oh, God. Uh, McRib is the only good thing on the menu. <laughs> I miss the Big and Tasty. Do you remember big that? Big and Tasty. Oh, man. Yeah. But, that shit was good. But it depends on when it was. Because sometimes they put a little too much of the mayonnaise on there. It's just, ugh. Yes, sometimes it was a mayo bomb. I want a mayo bomb, and then or the uh, Arch Deluxe. Ooh, the Arch- was that where they had two different boxes? Yes. Oh no, that was yes. McDLT. McDLT was that the hot side hot and the cool side okay. cool, and the hot stays hot. The new McDLT hot hot cool and crisp. And it was Jason Alexander. You're you're sick of lettuce and tomatoes sandwiches not staying. It was oh. Jason Alexander. Holy shit. Oh jeez! Now we're gonna go into a YouTube wormhole. <laughs> I guess we should like sign off on this episode. <laughs> what I lied to you is a fantastic show. Check it out on YouTube. Check it out on BritBox. Check it out wherever you can because you are missing out on one of the most legendary, funny comedy game shows out there. I can't stress this enough. Please give it a look and please tip anyone who you use a mobile app for. Please. <laughs> Nick, thanks again for stopping by. <laughs> thanks again. Thanks again, Nick, for stopping by. I I always love uh, chatting with, with friends. I it, it's one of those great things. I love chatting with Bad Hair Nugget on Twitter, and it's funny because usually when I do this game show podcast, like I, I guess if you want to go on, send me a message. And this is the rare time where he's like, I want to go on, and I want to talk about this show because I like David Mitchell's stuff. And sure, you know what, go for it. And is a real fan of this game show and that's always what surprises me here is that while a game show and yeah i feel like i'm talking about every game show in the known universe here but it's always fun when it's one or two people it's like you never think like oh they watch this game show that's fascinating they watch this show they really are big fans it's to me i love that the most because to me 
that's really what game shows are. It's not just knowing everything. It's that one or two shows that you're just kind of cling to. You don't have to watch Jeopardy every night. You don't have to watch The Price is Right. You don't have to care about the history of uh, Wheel of Fortune. If there's a new format like a Survivor or The Circle or a British game show like Would I Lie to You, that's all that's necessary for you to just be a fan of game shows. And I understand that there's a weird community out there. And I understand that it's not for everyone. And if I'm the, like the, the picture of it, I understand we're all doomed. But uh, let it be said here, Nick is a great guy. And I support him. And I do think we need to tip uh, waiters. We need to tip uh, delivery drivers, especially at this time. I recently uh, read about the Instacart, and it was the, they put like $50 on as a tip, then you go in the Instacart, then they edit so it's zero. And I think that's just selfish. And, and that's the one thing I really despise at this point more, more than ever. I hate uh, people putting finances over humanity, and I hate uh, the I, screw your safety, I want my product. That and that I see, I have to do it right now because I'm sure there's no other platform right now for me to talk about this. There is like a little element of the game show world that is full of people. That, I want my game shows now. I want them to go back. I want them to record this game show. Go back to the prices, right? Go back to wheel. Go back to Jeopardy. And it's very that that weird Arizona protest kind of thing. It's that selfish behavior, and it's like. There are crew members, there's a host, there's an announcer, there's an audience. There's a lot of people to go into the workings of a game show, even though it's moderately low production. If we were to go back and make a pr production of a game show, there needs to be severe safety in mind. And I'm not saying there's not a lot of safety in game shows, but how are you going to distance people six feet apart? How are you going to make sure the audience is safe? How do you make sure the host is safe? Because what if the host gets sick? Because then you have to stop production again until they get better. And I understand that like there, there's that frustration there. But between like back in the day when it was like learning about crunch and video games, it's like, but I want my game now. It's like, I'll wait. I don't care. Or when a movie gets delayed because, oh, we have this problem or this problem. I'm okay with that. It, it seems like we are dealing with, because of COVID-19 and the coronavirus, we're dealing with the absolute worst in humanity at the same time showing the best of humanity in the form of our health workers, in the form of our delivery drivers, in the form of all of these people working, rather it's at the supermarkets, rather it's, it's mail delivery, rather it's an Amazon warehouse. It, it's it's boggling my mind here. It's like so many people are working right now in a very unsafe environment. Well, one well one whole group of people are totally oblivious to this, and that's where I stand with Nick. Because to me, I love uh, I love I I usually am friends with waiters, bartenders, waitstaff, people working with restaurants, and. The food industry is very strange, not just in food service, not just in what makes the prepare, but it's every little aspect of it. And lots of people who work in these fields are either stuck on the Grubhub delivery order duty 
or they're laid off and they do not know where their next job is, so they're going to either work in a delivery driver job or they're stuck at home trying to figure out their next location, call center gigs, whatever. Uh, that To me, this is a troubling time. And I, as much as, you know, boy, I sure wish we can go back to normal, I'm more hoping people are safe because I have read Facebook posts of people losing their best friends from this, uh, losing their moms through this. And when you realize it's someone personal to you that's been affected, it changes your perspective a lot. And I only wish a lot of people would kind of show sympathy, but I understand you want your GameStop open now or something. I, I don't know. But uh, thanks again, Nick. Uh, keep the fight going. I know I know you're an outspoken person, and I know I, I can't really speak on behalf of him, but Nick, Nick definitely uh, is a fighter and definitely speaks on behalf of a lot of waiters, a lot of restaurant employees, uh, just that fight energy, because I know what he's saying has been said by five other people before him. And and he has a big mouth, uh, and I love Nick for that. Uh, and would I lie to you? Fantastic show. So maybe, you know, if you're stuck in quarantine, you know, some of you are. You're listening to his podcast. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> maybe you can, like, once this episode ends, go listen, go watch an episode of Would I Lie to You? I'm sure it's on BritBox right now. I'm sure it's on YouTube right now. Have yourself a bit of fun. Even if you don't know who any of these people are because they're British, you will have a fun time. I assure you of that. And now it's time for the 110-part series exploring every pricing game from The Price is Right. This is the Pricing Game Spotlight. Easy as one, two, three. Premiere date, April 25th, 1996, 9954D. Finale date, Bob Barker, June 14th, 2007, 4034K. Premiere date, Drew Carrier, October 16th, 2007. Have order, October 29th, 2007. Easy as one, two, three, spelled E-A-Z-Y as one, two, three. The contestant plays with blocks and places them in proper order from lowest to highest to win three prizes. The unusual spelling of the pricing game's title stems from its logo, in which the name is written in childish script, so with each S written as Z. The contestants given three blocks, labeled one, two, and three, respectively. The contestant must place the one block with the least expensive prize, two with the next least expensive, and three with the most expensive. Doing so wins all three prizes. The game's theme music was added on May 24, 1996. 9995D. On December 17, 2003, host Bob Barker accidentally reversed the order of the blocks, asking for one to be placed on the most expensive prize. Contestant Samuel B. played by the reverse rules and won. Clearance Sale, which debuted September 21, 1998. Air Dive Order, September 22nd, is often seen as a carbon copy of Easy as 1, 2, 3, since both games are essentially won by ranking three prices in order of price. 
on April 16th, 2015. Aired out of order on April 30th, the reveal of the second price got stuck, so Amber Lancaster had to force the art card down with her hands. On June 15th, 2015, Manuela tried to reveal the price on the second price. The prop got stuck and took some jigging to loosen. Here's some trivia. The most number of times this game was played in any season is 28. Easy as 1, 2, 3 is the last pricing game to debut on an episode with a production code ending in D. That's that's a fun fact, actually. Uh, easy as one, two, three. Last price of game to debut on an episode with a production code ending in D. Similar to most expensive, this price of game also has three prices, with prices from lowest to highest. When Barker hosted, he hands the contestant one block at a time. After the contestant places it, he has the second ready and so forth. With Kerry hosting, he hands all three blocks to the contestant. Easy as one to three has never played for three cars. Easy as one to three is one of seven pricing games seen on the second TV. Oh, it's this thing. Foreign versions. It was a 1980 version. Easy as one to three. And also Bruce's Price is Right under the title Most Expensive. It's also played on the most recent UK version under more similar to Easy as one to three. Only non-cosmic difference between the British and American versions of the game is one of the easiest program would only win the most expensive of three prizes to date it's the only price game to start on another country's version before beginning in the united states i i think it's a fun little format i think it's a nice little strategy game i do like games with ranked lists uh ranked order lists and easy as one two three is one of those uh gotcha games that i enjoy uh especially with that weird theme song it, it, it reminds me of like uh of like children's uh hospitals i guess it's like hard to explain i get it like it's kitty music it's like blocks and trying to be childish because you're playing with blocks so they're trying to play it as an easy game so it's like a kid kind of song i get it no i get it but it's like it's hard to explain like without sounding more about like saying children's hospital but it sounds like a commercial song that you would hear in like uh, cars for kids if it wasn't that one eight eight seven cars for kids kind of thing uh but you know what i enjoy most about this game is it's a three prize game and typically, it's just like what I say with most expensive. You can play it like with three totally different items, like electronic, a design or something, and in like a fridge. Or you can play it with three of similar items, like three trips. Or you can uh, play it with like indoor, outdoor, and then something far out there, which I like to say is sometimes what they do on the on the prices right, which is something I enjoy. Um, one of my favorites when I do a prize that's indoor, outdoor, and something out there is something like uh, outdoor will be like an ATV, and indoor will be uh, like a bed group, or most likely because of where it's like a television, and then something far out like uh, what about a year's supply of uh, groceries for a year. Like that, that's usually what my favorite kind of trio is on Easy as One, Two, Three. Because uh, usually when you put the three together, it almost totals about 10000 to 11000 in prizes, and it always makes it for a fun little show. Anyway, next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, we're going to go look in some bags, because it's in the bag, baby. The game's called It's in the Bag.
So I recently saw the brand new quiz show on ITV called Beat the Chasers, a spinoff of the popular ITV quiz-based show The Chase. The Chase is kind of like eggheads in which there are experts in trivia and you have to beat the experts to win money. On The Chase, there is one chaser who is a trivia expert and a team of four must go against that one chaser to take home a cash prize. But we spin it and reverse it with a brand new format called Beat the Chasers. In this format, it's only one contestant taking on all five of the beloved chasers. We don't care about the sixth one because this aired before they recorded any of those episodes in each episode it's played with two halves or mostly like a three-part series if you want to go that route uh, we are introduced to one contestant and have friendly banter because it's a uk game show then they are asked up to five multiple choice questions a b and c are the possible answers they only have a few seconds to answer the question. If they get the first question wrong of the five-question stack, they are out of the game and they leave with nothing. However, if they get the first one right, they are in the ballpark, and no matter what, they'll be playing the main game. Then we go on to question two, which is for 2,000. Three is going to be another 1,000, so it's 3,000. Go on for all five questions up to 5,000 pounds. Then we get to the fun part. They get to do uh, the board. They are introduced to the rules. There's a chess clock of 60 seconds for the contestant. And then the chasers of five expert trivia experts have their own 60-second shot clock. But they can reduce the time and increase the tension by increasing the cash offers along the way. So, for instance, you can only battle with two of them for your space uh, 3,000-pound pot. Or, if you're risky, you can add one more to the bank. And your 3,000 becomes 6,000. And it's 45 seconds, too. So we go from 40 to 45. Then you can add one more. So it's four chasers. We'll increase it by 50 seconds and make it 25,000. Or if you wanted to go for the full house, all five chasers at once, you get 55 seconds of time and 100,000 pounds. Whoa, amazing big money quiz show. Um, and then we start the game. Uh... The contestant picks one of the four options, and then that's locked in, and the time on the chasers is reduced, and the cash prize is what you're playing for. Then it becomes a chess clock tournament, similar to have Grand Slam, or one of my favorite British quiz shows, Two Tribes. Uh, so one contestant, get the, the challenger, the single player, gets asked a trivia question. They get it right, their clock stops, and the chaser's clock gets to start. Then the chasers get asked another trivia question. One of them has to buzz in and then say the correct answer. If they are right, their clock stops and it resets back to the main player. And it goes back and forth and back and forth until one player eventually runs out of time. If you run out of time, you lose. If the chasers lose, the contestant wins the money. If the contestant loses, they leave with nothing. So... It is an all-or-nothing game show. <sighs> that's about that's about it. Now, I like the chess clock format. I think that's always fun because it always creates its tension. 
I like the idea of decreasing the time clock on the chasers to try and incentivize, like, you're getting an advantage here. But also, we're throwing money your way, too, to make it even more of an incentive, and it still leads to intense uh, quizzing. Uh, but that being said, uh, I don't like it more than the chase. I, I hate... I will say this. I hate quiz show spinoffs of experts. I, I think that's one of those rare things where it's like, I get it. Like like Masterminds or Best Ever Trivia Show, you have the trivia expert, so here's the show. Like that to me, fine, okay. But it's not like I'm going out of my way to watch that show. I see that as an inferior version of the big show. So if I see eggheads, I think, oh, uh, these are people who are good at trivia. What makes them good at trivia? They were on Mastermind. They were on Millionaire. Then I'm going to watch Millionaire and Mastermind. I don't really need to watch Eggheads. Uh, same thing happens with The Chase. That's why I don't really care much for The Chase. I never really did. I always see it like, oh, so this is just Mastermind. Okay. This is just like they're from another game show. Oh, okay. So it's always weird playing this three-dimensional chess with game shows where it's like, well, Beat the Chase is a game show where you're up against people from another game show who are experts in another game show. I don't give a shit. I hate that as an idea. Uh, I would rather you try and find like experts in certain fields. Like you find the best sports guy, the best pop culture guy, the best music expert. Kind of like Beat the Geeks. Yeah, like if we can get like someone who's the expert in history, the expert in this, and I know they kind of do that on eggheads, but I I think it needs to be like just like their own show. This needs to be separate from the chase. This needs to be separate from eggheads. This needs to stand out on its own. And instead, it's a primetime game show that's a spinoff of a daytime quiz show. And it's it's fine. I mean, I like the show. I'm not like insulted by it. The format's nice. Uh, I hate the fact that it's not bookended. With The Chase, which also is why it's better than this show, The Chase is bookended. You get your four contestants, or three if it's GSN. You have your rounds. You have your final chase. The final chase is the last act of the show. With this show, it's only done in 15-minute intervals. There's four contestants per show, because it's about roughly 10 to 15 minutes per gameplay. So you introduce the contestant, five trivia questions, where are you going, and uh, the one-minute versus one-minute clock. So up to really like 15 minutes of time per game uh, that you can really break this down into four acts of the same game, which is fine. It's like, think like, you know... Uh, I would say that's that's been the case with something like uh, uh, card sharks. No, wait, no pyramid. Pyramid's been that way, uh, where you play two games in in one half hour, then you play another two games in another half. Hour. Like that's kind of how this feels, uh, and it's fine. But it, it always it always feels like something's missing from this show, and I think it's the time, it's the big stakes. It's let's have all the celebrity be the chasers, beat them in this one quiz show. And it's it feels like they what they want to do ultimately is get rid of the chase and put this as their spinoff show. And I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if this makes sense as a quiz show. I love it. No, I give it wrong. I love the format, but it feels like this is a half hour game show that they decided to extend out to an hour. Because when you have four contestants, 
you could easily break this down as a as a American game show even. Uh, so what I did was I decided uh, that, that there's some like tweaks that I, I, I think would have worked better. For instance, there's five trivia questions and there's five chasers. Why not have the chasers ask the questions or you can keep getting the Doctor Who guy to ask the questions. Um, and if you get it right, it's the thousand like normal. If the chaser gets it right, it's double. Uh, the chaser gets it wrong and you got it right, it's 2,000. We doubled the money. So you can clear house and if you beat five chasers and five questions, that's up to 10,000 pounds even though ridiculously impossible that will ever happen. But worth the shot. <clears throat> I, I think the if you get one wrong of your stack of five, you're out. Uh, is is like fine when it's like okay, so you're the first one right, but the second one wrong, the third one wrong, fourth one wrong, fifth one wrong. There's no stakes in the after the first question. The first question is the only question in the in the in the five multiple choice questions that have any stakes in the game. If you were going to do real stakes, you either make it so you walk away before seeing the question or you play on. Because whatever this is, I, I hate that you get the first question wrong, you're out. I think that's kind of just cheating. It's like, uh, I hate to say cheat because game show and the word change is a bad name. But it doesn't feel savory in terms of a gameplay format. I'd rather whoever is the person that the casting directors chose for the show should go through all of the entire arc because that way, if they get through all five questions, even if they get no money, well, we'll throw 500 or something uh, and just have something be where they get through all the act. So that way, there is no time's up because if it's one thing I hate more than anything in the world of game shows. Now, I'm okay with, we'll find the answer right after this, I'm okay with overproduction, like, oh, will they make it? Stay tuned. It is the we'll find out next time right here on the show. First episode had that, and I nearly just went, ugh, I don't like that. Chase is bookended. You know what happens at the end. They win or they lose. Oh, can you beat the chasers? See you next time. Here it's, well, where is she going to go? Find out next time on the chase. It doesn't work like that. When you beat the chasers, it should just be bookended. You should just have four contestants go through the game or do a qualifying challenge and then beat the chasers with the main five should be the end game because now they're in play. Something besides just a standalone answer five questions, pick your position, here's the chaser, do the clock back and forth thing because... The, this format is just repetitive to the point of exhaustion, and honestly, it's fine, but this is not the end-all, be-all quiz show kind of thing. This is just kind of feels like, well, they just did it because The Chase is a popular show. This feels like a mask Singer uh, after show in the world of quiz shows. And I know the game show world will love it because they love the chase. They love the big trivia. They love the high stakes battle. And rightfully so. Don't get me wrong. But there's something missing with this show. And it's either they need a competitive element with the contestants or they need to figure out a way to make sure that they have enough timing on the production slate to get through all the contestants. And I don't know if that means you have four contestants per episode or three but you have to stop doing a see you next time and you don't have to do an elimination because you got the first question wrong. 
I think it's better you just let them go through all five. I would rather you see five questions, and then it's like, well, you got four of the five, so that's 4,000. Now let's go through the game. Because um, otherwise, it's just kind of, you know, just like get on with the chess game. I don't care for this main game. Or, oh, we have to have the banner with the contestants. Well, banner with the contestants is fine. Why don't you just drop it to three contestants and then extend out the banter with the contestants? You get to understand their personalities more. I, I, it, to me... Some of the choices on this game, I don't understand. All I understand is they made it look like a gladiatorial arena with a big audience because it's a primetime show versus a daytime show. You have five chasers, and that's supposed to be the big extravagance. Normally, you're against one, but here you're against five. And the format itself is fine because it's just a chess clock game show. But... It's so repetitive. It could be a half-hour show in America levels of challenge. Uh, here's how I would have done the show, and I know this is the part where everyone's like, I'm a flip-off, screw you, Jordan. You hate the show. I like the show. I, I give it an A-. I just think we should not just do chasers. My big complaint is see you next time and having the chasers be the star of the show. It needs to be a new set of stars. It needs to be a new set of trivia masterminds uh, to to be on this show. So that way it stands out against this. And then you can have a new name instead of just calling it Beat the Chasers. Because now it's like it's that three-dimensional game show variety that I just despise. Oh, Who's uh, the chasers? Oh, they're the experts on the chase. What's the chase? Well, it's a game show where you're up against trivia experts from other game shows. What game shows? Mastermind, Eggheads. Like I, I have to go through all that, and I don't want to. I want something that's like, this is specifically them. And I, I feel kind of annoyed. Uh, if I was to do the show... I would make it a half-hour game show syndicated because that's the only network can see it unless they do it on GSN, which is their half-hour versions. Uh, you get five trivia experts, I guess, on Jeopardy because that's their only quiz show we have nowadays uh, or whoever is on uh, Masterminds right now. Uh, and you have five questions and you play exactly like I just said. So it's each question's worth $1,000. If you beat one of the experts, it's $2,000. Go against two experts at that base amount versus how many seconds. Pick on three at this amount with this many seconds. Four with this many, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, which one will you choose? We'll see you. We'll find out after the break because that's your end of Act 1 because a half-hour show is a four-act structure. Act 1, introduce contestant 1. Play that ma that first half, and then here's your offers where you're going to choose. Find out after the break. Act 2, we find out what the contestant picks. And then we start the game because that big back and forth thing should take about roughly two to three minutes. Oh, I'm tough luck. Unfortunately, couldn't make it. Or you did it. Congratulations. You won your $20,000 $20, prize or $50,000. It's GSN. I'm sure they're probably going to go with like, here's your $8,000 cash prize. Um. Then you get to, will, will the next contestant do it? Find out after the break. Go to Act 3. We're introduced to another contestant through the whole rigmarole. Same five questions. Next five contestants. Rinse, repeat of the first half. 
Oh, wow, that was fantastic. You won. We'll find out if anyone can beat the experts next time right here. See you soon. Something like that, where it's just two contestants is all I need for this show. When it got to the third and fourth, I felt exhausted. And I, it's like, this could easily work as a half-hour quiz show because it's only up to four contestants. If there's a way to lock in that front game so they don't get eliminated on the first question, you have a solid format here. Because now it's like, you can see this contestant go through everything. And hey, look at their pod. They may not know anything about history, but they might know about science and they might know about geography. <laughs> the Beat the Chasers is like... One of those things where it's like it's the game show fandoms, like one of them favorite game shows, and it's one of my favorites. But it's not it's not really a show I will go out of my way to be like, this is the end all be all game show. This is this just feels like the spin-off series. This feels like the extra factor. This feels like Big Brother's little brother. This doesn't feel like a show worth audience's time unless they like the chase. And I mean, the chase is a good game show. It's a successful game show. Eventually, I have to talk about it on this very show. But it's I would if if these weren't people from another game show, I'd probably like it a lot more. It's probably my bias because it's like they're from a much better show than this. But even though this format is something I like more than that format, uh. That, that's just the way it goes. Uh, so, in conclusion, I recommend you actually watch Beat the Chasers. I actually think it's a fun show. I think you would get some tension out of it. It is one of those weird quiz shows where it's like, I actually suggest you watch it. I know quiz shows are typically boring, um, but the stakes are high. It's still very funny. Big money award prizes in Britain. Just, like, times everything by five. You'll You'll feel the same. Uh, and lastly, you, it's the, uh, gladiatorial arena that I like. It's that music package. It's the blue to red to blue to red to blue to red in the set that I like. Uh, it's very tennis feeling versus the chase, which feels stagnant. And I like that. I like there's more movement to the game, even though everyone's stuck in place. Uh, and I, I, I like it. I like the show. The only gripes are just like basic game show tropes that I dislike. See you next time. One and you're done, but you have five other questions and those aren't any stakes. And the um, and just the fact that this is a offshoot of a game show with contestants who are offshoots of game shows. Uh, it's it that's to me that's just a I don't that just tones me out. That just go blue. But yeah, it's good. Check it out. I give it an A minus. It's called Beat the Chasers. Well, that so means we are out of time. <sighs> yep. Anyway, uh, it happens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check out more episodes over at jordanhaas.com slash podcast. If you want to say hi to me, I'm over at Twitter at jordha. Uh, feel free to check out this podcast over on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever the podcasts are. Leave comments. Do the rating thing. Let me know what game shows you want to talk about over on Facebook.com slash Game Shows Podcasts. And join me next week when I'll be talking about another great game show. 
I suppose. Until then, big smooch. Mwah!